Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today's Tuesday, September 24th. My name's Caden Rutherford. I'm joined with Colburn Blue Larson today. Sup? Just Colburn and myself. Uh, Cody is getting ready for the first go-round in the 5-6 non-pro tomorrow at the Brazos Bash. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the Open Finals that just finished up today, Monday, September 23rd, over at Silverado on the Brazos. And we're going to talk a little bit about the NCHA press release that just came out about the new governance committee that has been appointed, as well as the uh, directors meeting that they're planning to have um, in conjunction with the NCHA fraternity. So talk a little bit about that and uh, talk about the bash. So sit back and relax and enjoy today's episode of the Section K podcast. This episode is brought to you by Brazos Valley Stallion Station. The roster of stallions at Brazos Valley Stallion Station, located in Stephenville, Texas, is shaping the performance horse world with its unique stallions representing the cutting, cow horse, roping, and barrel racing industries. The skill and experience of the entire staff and the one-of-a-kind facility provide a vital center to ensure your breeding success. For a complete listing of stallions and more information, visit BrazosValleyStallionStation.com like their page on Facebook, Brazos Valley Stallion Station, LP. As you saw on Saturday, NCHA President Ron Pietrofesso came out after all the craziness that's been going on here lately and appointed a special governance committee. I think the membership, generally speaking, has been pretty on edge the last few weeks, CBL. People tend to go off their corners and focus on their own business rather than continuing to interact with one another. Um, I was pretty happy to see this uh, press release over the weekend while I was sitting at the TCU-SMU football game. Shout out SMU Mustangs taking back the iron skillet, but that's beside the point. Um, I think I I could come out CBL and say that governance is pretty important to all of us, wouldn't you – go to say that i mean over the over the last several weeks i think that's been pretty evident um but we cannot forget i think one of the most important things that we mustn't forget is that our association is run primarily on the efforts of volunteers um i think calling a special directors meeting at the fraternity um is exactly what needs to happen i think it makes a lot of sense uh the body of elected directors uh, they're representative of each region, and they typically have extensive histories in the association, which to me, CBL, that's pretty important. I don't know about you, but somebody making decisions about our association that knows the ins and outs of it is super important. Um, well, and I'm not going to sit here and fill y'all with wind that I know everything about what's going on, but I, I mean, I think the main thing about it is that there's just way more communication going on at this very moment than there was, say, three weeks ago, a month ago. And there's a little better understanding for myself and I know for a lot of people uh, what's going on now and uh, things that are hopefully going to be beneficial to the NCHA. Yeah, most definitely. And really just from looking at that last paragraph of the press release, it appears that Ron has created that committee and um, governance is pretty much the basis of that committee. And I think, I mean, whether you were with Whit Davis and wanted the special membership meeting or, or you're on the other side and you want things to, to slow down, I think everybody behind the scenes has been 
been floating around the ideas of what we can change in regards to governance and what we can change in regards to, to, I mean, just what basically caused our, our executive director to, uh, to resign. So, um, K Rudd, did your father, John Rutherford have anything to say about being appointed to the governance committee? Not too much. Um, I think a lot of big John's, um, the method to his madness is just kind of drawing off of what we see, I mean, in, in like out in the public and what you see kind of on a daily basis, whether it be the LPGA or the PGA or the American Motorcycle Association. It's like we could probably draw from how those organizations execute their governance and create an environment where NCHA participants can focus on their horses and competing rather than politics or worried about who's messing up here or there. So basically Big John, I think the, I talked to him briefly about it. It's just like, there's a lot of templates and a lot of examples out there of uh, nonprofits or, or organizations that are extremely similar to ours and how they're run. And it's like, I think he thinks that we could learn a thing or two off of uh, some of those associations. So yeah, Which I'll, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, the LPGA, I think we've talked about it briefly on this show. I know at the convention we discussed it a little bit, but uh, on the No Laying Up podcast, a very prominent golf podcast that I listen to, uh, they had Michael Wan on there. I know uh, my myself and Big John have both encouraged a lot of people to to go back and listen to that episode of the No Laying Up podcast because Michael Wan is the commissioner of the LPGA, and I mean, the resurgence of lady golf and the LPGA, I mean, just in the last five years or so and how they've got their purses back up, how they've gotten huge sponsorship deals. I mean, all these things uh, that we want to do. It's like, I think we could learn tons of what off what Mike Wan and what the LPGA did just purely off of sponsorship and, and kind of making an event, a sponsor's like catering to the sponsors at your event rather than being just like, Hey, give us your money. Like we enjoy that. It's like at, at the KPMG PGA women's championship, for example, like they bend over backwards for all the employees of KPMG, which they probably should rightly. So if you work for KPMG and they're donating that much money, they should, but that's going to be the big bulk of like their, their galleries and, and their audience at those tournaments is people that are associated to that sponsor group. So I think we could learn a lot just off of that and drawing sponsors to our shows and catering to them. And I mean, you never know, get somebody from loves at the cut and sees a horse well, move and they're buying. Well, and just to add a little bit on the sponsorship deal, I, I think on social media, on Facebook, any of the the bigger sponsors uh, are friends or in the same group following all this stuff around on Facebook. And I think uh, for the people of the NCHA and the members uh, to do your part on making sure those sponsors want to be a part of the NCHA is to tone it down just a little bit. And uh, that will that'll help make those those sponsors want to be a part of it because seeing the negativity on Facebook, uh, if I had a lot of money, um, I, I don't necessarily know that I would want to spend my money on something like that. And uh, I know how great the NCHA is and the sport of cutting is. And uh, 
just being able to get a little bit away from the negativity, I think will be very helpful to uh, sponsorships in the future. Yeah. And sponsorships are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to all this governance stuff. But I think a lot of our events are obviously driven by gracious folks and, and good people from yeah. great companies like Loves and, and companies in the past. Overall though, CBL, it was great to see the NCHA communicating with the membership, um, sending out press releases. Um, I know last week after we uh, released our show as well, uh, they sent out an email just kind of giving everyone an update. So, so it's been super nice to see the communication kind of improving um, between the NCHA and uh, the current governance and the membership. So that's been another positive that I uh, drew off uh, since last week. So looking forward to seeing what's going to take place uh, between now and the fraternity and, of course, at the fraternity when that director's meeting takes place. Amen. The Brazos Bash 2019, rocking and rolling over at Silverado on the Brazos. Michael Cooper went ahead and got that three-peat three years in a row, small fraternity Brazos Bash Open champion uh, this year. Came back from West Monroe off the Cotton Stakes Futurity Championship on A Star is Born and marked another 222 this year in the Brazos Bash Futurity Finals for the Belterre Ranch. Um, man, Super Cooper picked up another 20,000 uh, last year, won the Brazos Bash Open Futurity aboard Tears from Heaven, and in 2017, he won it aboard Gato Baracho. So I think that's a hell of an accomplishment, CBL. Obviously, Everyone knows Super Cooper lives right there at Silverado and pretty much like showing at home. They just drive up the road there to the to the arena and obviously get to work at home and enjoy all the comforts of home. But, I mean, if you're Super Cooper and if you're Jenny, Jenny Cooper, more importantly, you love Silverado and you love this Brazos Bash cutting because the small fraternity has been super good to Cooper over the last three years. Just to add a little bit to the Silverado vibe, for all the people uh, that have never been over there, it is one of, if you've never seen it, it's one of the craziest things to see because there is one of a kind cutting horse facilities right next to each other. Rose Valley has a very beautiful place over there. Um, Matt, Matt Gaines, it's places over there. Gavin Jordan's right there next to, to Michael Cooper as well. So there's, whole handful of good hands right there at Silverado. But yeah, Matt Miller, our good friend, was reserve aboard Sticky Duel for the Holy Cow Performance Horses of Texas. About and to be my boss. Yeah, hey. For the for Vegas. Pacific Coast Futurity. I'm looking forward to that. We'll be talking about that probably on next week's show, how excited we are for the uh, Pacific Coast Futurity out at the South Point. Um, but from the Futurity Finals, CBL overall, the Open paid exceptionally. Um, Bo Gallion, Super G, James Payne, uh, Michael Cooper had another one in there. Um, but overall, pretty solid set of riders, set of horses in the open fraternity. Anytime you can go to a, a small fraternity, three-year-old aged event uh, that's paying $20,000 to win it, uh, that's a pretty big deal. And, I mean, to... Still, I don't necessarily know um, a lot of these horses that 
uh, made the, the three-year-old finals, but I mean, it's starting to get where I know a lot of the people that have been going to these shows, there's already ones that are sticking out that um, are the better ones or are doing better than some of the others. And uh, it's just, it's an exciting time. Just like uh, we said last week, um, it's three-year-old season. It's maturity season. Well, I think like we were talking about on last week's show, Adon and Armani Blue, they were in the finals at the Bash. Had a little tough luck in the finals, but I think Armani Blue picked up two championships out on the West Coast run. A star is born, picked up two championships here kind of around Texas, Louisiana. I think you'll be seeing both of those those horses um, in the open four-year-old a lot next year. Yep. Yes, sir. In the open derby, John Mitchell – Another Weatherford, Texas cowboy marked a 223 aboard Hot Looking Cat for owner Slate River Ranch. Picked up another 20,000 in the Open Derby class. Uh, Johnny Mitchell. I, I don't really know much about this Hot Looking Cat horse. I, I saw don't the either. Run, uh, beautiful run. Held some unbelievably tough cattle. I'm sure you, you can't believe me telling you that Johnny Mitchell will cut some fast cows in the finals, but <laughs> he certainly did that. Reserve champion, um, Super G. Uh, full brother to Metallic Rebel, a warlock for owners Fultz Ranch, marked a 222, picked up 18 grand. Bad Boon Rising, uh, Phil Hansen was fourth place, and Adon was also fifth on CD Super Freak for Plantation Farms. Um, man, what a tough, tough show. Like, this finals was super tough. Marked 17 and a half, still end up sixth place in the four year old. Like, that's kind of what you expect to see in the five, six. Um, moving up that division, but overall, seeing Fracker Brown miss Baby Cakes, um, X's and O's. I saw that X's and O's on Lloyd Cox Cutting Horse Facebook page went over one hundred thousand dollars in earnings uh, with this final. So I'm sure many more checks to be cashed for X's and O's. Um, we all remember seeing her with Jody in the saddle during the Open Derby finals and. Just her laying down on her belly. So I'll be looking forward to seeing her in the 5-6 next year. Speaking of the 5-6 CBL, Ray Styling Smooth and Adon continued Ray Styling Smooth's winning ways after he came back from Idaho. Shout out Justin Chalmers. Yeah, shout out Justin Chalmers. We've mentioned that on this show before, but marked a 223 and a half. We're just moving on up uh, with every division for another $20,000 payday. Um, in the five six year old, that's a great payday in the five six year old for sure. Yes, sir. Uh, Duramax Dooley, West Galleon, um, open five six year old reserve champion for the Glover Galleon Partnership of Claremore, Oklahoma. And there's old Punch, Rain and Cats. Russ Westfall marked a two twenty one for third place. CBL, what horses uh, are you looking? forward to uh, enjoying the rest of their aged event career here the rest of uh, the year being uh, six-year-olds and whatnot well i think that some of these uh people owners the riders uh, trainers uh probably a little disappointed that some of these uh horses are coming to the end of their aged event career obviously second spot that horse is been in the finals it seems like all the time we're always saying that horse's name but um something to believe in i remember that horse at the fraternity uh jody showing it in the non-pro i i think she won the the limited that's uh, correct. F- fraternity but uh she had 
tough luck in the non-pro in one of the early go rounds, but it was just a run that you seen that horse and uh, you just you knew that that was an unbelievable horse, and I mean, ex- I mean, it exceeded my expectations of what I thought the horse was going to be. I thought the horse was going to be a really good horse, but I just it always seems like they're doing good everywhere they go on that horse. I know they're probably disappointed that the uh, show career is about over for that one. Yeah, that one and Copperish are um, definitely two that I'm going to be. Be sad. I'm um, not going to be able to watch next year. Copperish, uh, Jimmy Miller-Smith, the owner, she's had uh, had to have had a hell of a lot of fun the last three years, um, whether she's been coming to Fort Worth or hauling up and down the road to watch Lloyd show that mare or watching online. But I'm sure it's been a fun three years watching a horse like that compete. Yeah. That's for sure. In the limited competition, first and foremost in the five, six-year-old Feeding off that, uh, the only limited rider to make uh, the open finals as well was Mr. Rodrigo Taboga. The Brazilian man. Aboard Jamie Nails, metallic royal mate. And in the 5-6 limited, he won the championship uh, aboard Bowen Ashley. Ga- I guess that's not Bowen Ashley Galleon's horse anymore. It belongs to the Atwood Quarter Horses, uh, Desire Metallic. And Rodrigo marked a 2.22 in the 5.6 limited and marked a 2.21 and a half on a metallic royal mate for Jamie Nail and picked up first and second in that. And in the four-year-old CBL, there she is, Jake Hansen. That had to have been cool, showing old Hiss and Vinegar, the Super Stakes Open champ. Marked a 2.26 in the finals um, and second place and third place. Rodrigo Taboga. Uh, second place was uh, aboard Rocky Mountain Blues for Selena Barbosa. And third place, he showed another full brother to Rebel, the dude, for owners Bowen Ashley. Marked a 222 on Rocky Mountain Blues and marked a 220 on the dude. And tied with our good friend Christian Miller for third and fourth. So big shout out to all the limited riders. I thought the whole limited competition and the way they did that over at the bash this year, CBL, pretty sweet pretty good idea yeah i mean like i've said before any time that um no i'm not necessarily saying they're a lower level of a trainer but just on money one anytime that these guys get an extra opportunity to go show and especially go and uh show in the finals and get a little bit more exposure and obviously their paychecks not not going to be uh premium like uh the top end open classes but i mean just being able to go in there and show and get another run in and then get you a get you a championship i mean that that has to help the confidence so much and i mean rodrigo's on a streak right now that um he is pretty much is telling everybody he's the best limited trainer out there right now i mean he's winning he's winning everywhere and he's at the top of the finals at at all these shows and it's just so great that this is here now because if we didn't have this you wouldn't know that this was going on where rodrigo was doing so good yep and yeah cbo with uh limited the way it is here at the bash you're seeing folks like our good friend thomas bray who probably ordinarily wouldn't be hauling up to weatherford for 
the Open 5-6 or the Open 4-year-old at the Brazos Bash in September late in the year. But with this limited competition, he had a little bit of tough luck. But that's uh, a guy that I noticed had made the trip up here specifically to show his uh, limited horses that you saw him doing so well on during the NCHA Metallic Cat Summer Cutting Spectacular. I think that's all we got for today's show, guys. Um, big thanks for tuning in. If there's anything you'd like to hear discussed on the show uh, with us heading out to Vegas, um, any Pacific Coast interviewees you think we ought to try and sit down with, feel free to pop into our emails. I think um, next week when we get uh, all three of us back together, we'll kind of get back to um, reading off. I know we had some some submissions of favorite fraternity finals that we want to get to and talk about when Co Cody's around. And uh, we're going to get to some of that and uh, kind of get excited about Vegas next week and the Pacific Coast fraternity. Um, big shout out to the Dallas Cowboys, CBL. We cannot go throughout the show when it's just me and you. And not mention, the Cowboys are 3-0. and Damn boys! So, just wanted to make that note um, in this uh, little wrap. And, uh, yeah, football season is in full swing. The it's alive. The NCHA Fantasy Football League, the Section K Podcast Fantasy Football League, is in full swing. Um, I got my first dub this week. Who, I was who'd feeling you beat a little... This week? Uh, Austin Shepard. Dude, I beat Cade Shepard. This week. Hey, so anytime I can beat Austin Shepard in anything, I'm going to brag about it because there's Same not going to be very many times in my life in the cutting horse situation I'm going to be able to be bragging that I beat Austin Shepard. So not. I beat him in fantasy football this week. <laughs> <laughs> Could not agree more. Maybe we'll be bringing the people some fantasy football standings updates in the coming week. So, um, like I said, if there's anybody you want to hear interviewed when we head out to Vegas or there's anything you think we need to cover on our next show give us a follow on facebook section k podcast instagram as always section k podcast and like i said our email as always section k pod at gmail.com good luck to everybody showing at the brazos bash and the non-pro and amateur competition and we look forward to seeing y'all down the road maybe in vegas sometime soon adios one love folks South Texas town on a Friday night Filled with bathtub drugs and barroom fights The kids drive out past the hills to Make love neath the Marfa lights Amanda gets off a little bit early And Jerry's waiting for saying won't you hurry I got a safe fifth of whiskey I've been gone three nights and I hope you miss me Jerry worked in the valley on weekdays But a minimum wage couldn't please his ways He loved to booze and he loved to gamble Amanda loved him even though he was hard to handle And she worked in a diner owned by her paw Jerry spent his off days running in the law They'd get high and make love till dawn On the runway while the night stars heard their song Their love would take him so high They'd never worry about the fall they were running fast to love, but even faster from the hall.
While most of the boys were off in ammo, Jerry stayed back and tried to work the land. He knew he never had farmer's hands. And soon he had a change in plans, so he bought himself a small prop plane. And he learned how to grow a new type of cane. It didn't make sugar and it didn't need rain. And a lifetime in jail is what it would bring. It was East Alpine down 118, fly low to Coahuila and not be seen. Cash for cargo and then return back to the barn where they'd cook up everything. And Amanda would help him land at night. She'd dance on the runway with a big spotlight. He'd hop off the plane and say we made it all right. Then drop the duffel bag to run and hold her tight. The love would take him so high they'd never worry about the fall. They were running fast to love, but even faster from the hall. So on a two-day binge they made their plan And he'd land a night on some private land She flashed the light like times before Coast as clear as one and troubles twice or more and Jerry came in at midnight flying low But no light shined from down below Then a flashing light went on and on Since troubles more than once Jerry just flew on And he looked and his panic went through his mind Saw the sirens crash through the brush line He watched the agents raid from above He knew he still had the cargo but he'd lost his love And he thought of how they caught on and found him And he hated himself for keeping Amanda around him To follow her love she left her past behind Now she'd rot in a cell and Jerry passed the borderline